0: You you know that sound means it's your favorite time of the motherfucking week. This is the Regulators Podcast. I am your host, Waldo. Thank you for joining us as we head into week Man, what an exciting time to be alive right now. Um, But out the gate, I got to tell you, listen, if you you follow us, if you've been riding with us for a long time, you know, we crushed it last year with a lot of our bets. Um, We came out on top for the season. This year, we started out pretty decent, but we got our asses handed to us last week. And I think a lot of people did. It was a lot of things that went awry. But we went two and seven on our solo bets against the spread. Two and seven. Oh God, it hurt. Um But as we always tell you, aim small, miss small, diversify. We had a lot of other bets that hit and uh you know, hopefully you know, that that kinda salvaged Most people's days, uh, you know, depending on what they tied in with their bets. Um, But we still ended up in the negative. We did so-so on our round robin that we were trying out. But thank God, thank God we hit heavy, heavy on the over for Thursday night football. Which that's back-to-back. We told you, lock Thursday night football. Lock Thursday night football. We've been crushing those with you guys. Um, But we did overall lose... A couple of units. So we're still positive. Um, again, if you want to track all of our bets, everything we bet over the season, how many units were up or down, see where all our money is going, uh, you can check out our Patreon, P A T R E O N.com. Look for the Regulators Podcast and you'll find us for a couple bucks a month. You get all kinds of exclusive access to things that we're doing here around the show. And of course, you get access to the bets that we don't share with the general public but we are up for the year we're going to stay up and we're going to keep on chugging along so the people have spoken we put out a poll this past week on twitter and said hey it's time for another giveaway you know what do you guys want do you want more Funko Pops because you love the shit out of those things um you know do you want a copy of Madden you know which I personally think is trash but a lot of people seem to love it so we were going to do something like that Or do you want a jersey? And overwhelmingly, like people said jersey, it's time for a jersey. So we are going to do it. We are going to hook you guys up with an NFL jersey, any player you want. Any player you want, doesn't matter if it's a rookie, doesn't matter if it's a veteran, doesn't matter if it's a retired player, whoever you want, whoever your team is, we got you. We are going to hook you up with a jersey. So here's what we're going to do. You can go to our Twitter page and you can find the post for the giveaway and just follow the instructions and you can get in on that real easily, but I'm going to give you a chance to get three times the entries, okay? So you're going to get three times the entry as anybody else who enters the contest, and this is how to do it. It's really easy. So you're going to go find our pinned tweet on our Twitter page, which is going to be this episode. Okay, This episode will be our pinned tweet on Twitter, at RegulatorsPod, if you don't know where to find us yet. So go find that tweet, and then quote tweet it, and just share something positive about the podcast, but include the words, include the words, Best NFL Podcast. So no matter how you work in those words, no matter, you, you can just put Best NFL podcast best NFL podcast ever. I'm not putting the words in your mouth, you know, I, however you want to word it, or, you know, add emojis, or add different things in there, but if you quote tweet our pin tweet, which is this episode with best NFL podcast, or those words are somewhere in those sentences, then we are going to give you three times the entry um, to get the jersey of your choice. Whatever you need me, familia, we're going to hook you up. So, Lots of headlines, lots of things to get into, Um, and of course, we're going to give you the whole week four breakdown, all the betting lines, all the matchups, everything, everything. So let me take a big drink. Ah, God, that's a good pour, and let's get into it. So obviously, if you've been paying any attention to the news or the local headlines or social media, you understand that. Hurricane Ian is here to fuck shit up. So, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be practicing in Miami this week. Um, which I find it a little bit ironic. Uh, Stephen Ross is finally out of the building because of his suspension and, you know, he's not allowed in the Dolphins facility right now. And so he's going to allow Tom Brady and his friends to come through the Dolphin facility. And if you know that whole backstory, it's just interesting. Anyways, so the Buccaneers are going to practice in Miami. Miami is obviously headed to Ohio for Thursday night football. So they'll be out of the way. Um, The league is still tracking kind of contingency plans and they're going to see how this hurricane goes. It looks like it's going to smash right into Tampa as a major hurricane. So you have to believe that that Sunday night football game, with the chiefs and the bucks is going to be relocated somewhere else um the storm should be long gone by sunday night so that's not necessarily the issue the issue is just more in line with if people have to secure their own homes or they have to evacuate or things like that it might not be feasible to get a football game up and running in that short amount of time not to mention. The optics with the amount of resources that may be needed around the Tampa area uh, it wouldn't be good pulling resources to focus on a football game. So you have to imagine that that game gets moved, but they will be practicing in Miami uh, this week while the Dolphins are away. Now, you've also probably heard by now about the Miles Garrett car accident. Um, lucky, honestly, I can't believe that he walked away and they're even talking about him playing this weekend he was released from the hospital. Uh him and his passenger were both wearing their seatbelts, thank God. But if you saw the pictures of what happened to that Porsche, it did not look good, and they're very lucky um to be alive. There were no issues about no no impairment. Excuse me, I I've had a little bit to drink, but um Uh, there were no, yeah, I'm impaired, obviously, but uh, unlike myself, Miles Garrett was not suspected to be under the influence of anything, and there's no reason you should suspect that, but the only reason that people are putting that out there is because that's always the first conclusion that people jump to, is like, oh, somebody was, you know, drunk or high or something, you know, doing something that, you know, people just love to kick you when you're down, Um, and while we're on that, like, miss me with this you know, shit all over the comment threads about, you know, well, I'm the Bob the Builder and I built that road. And, you know, if you're going more than 45 degrees, you know, at an angle, when you come around that corner and you're over, you know, 20 miles an hour, then you're going to spin out and this and that. And, you know, he was obviously, you know, driving 165 miles an hour with three uh, cans of beer in between his legs while he was getting roadhead like like, shut the fuck up, man, like, like you weren't there, like, two people almost died, they seriously had their life flash before their eyes, and, you know, now, one of them may play in a football game this weekend, like, that matters in the grand scale of things, but, just, like, I mean, I know I'm talking to internet trolls, and, you know, I'm pretty much wasting my breath, but just, like, it's, it's so dumb, man, to just jump in those comments and be like, well, you know, you can tell this is what happened and look at the way the leaves are scattered across the road. Like, fucking damn, bro. Like, just, just touch grass, bro. Find, find some shit to do. But glad that uh, Miles Garrett and his passenger were both okay and we will see, you know, how things go with him and if he's able to play for the Browns and, and how soon. Now, news that actually is news. Um, the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl has changed, so finally, after years and years of begging of what was a bullshit excuse for a football game, the NFL has done away with the tackle football game for the Pro Bowl. They are going to have a flag football competition, but that is going to be part of the week-long Pro Bowl games and activities and festivities and things like that that we we talked about last week. Last year, excuse me, and it feels like every year about the Pro Bowl. You want to fix the Pro Bowl? Like, we can help you fix the Pro Bowl. Stop pretending you're playing a football game because that's that's number one. That had to go. So I, for one, think this is a positive move. Um, even calling the football games that were taking place two-hand touch was being generous. It was just a joke. And for good reason. I mean, the players, you know, especially you're going into a contract year or anything, why are you going to risk injury? we've seen time and time again that teams don't don't care like they're they're not going to guarantee you just to guarantee you like if you get injured and then someone takes your starting job and then they determine well we don't need you back the following year this guy does fine like there's just no reason in an exhibition game to risk yourself like that uh so I really like the idea of moving more towards, like, skills challenges and team-oriented events and have the AFC versus the NFC and, you know, see a little bit more of the player's personality and things like that. Like, the NFL is a multi-billion dollar organization. Like, they can put production value behind that and make that really cool. You could have game show type things. You can have, like, almost like when you see the celebrity... um, Family feud and different things like that. Like, there's all kinds of things that they could do that would be really fun. People would watch it. I'd watch it. I mean, football is football, and, you know, as much content as you can get. So I'd like to see that. But kudos for the NFL taking that first step, which always is admitting that there's a problem. Unlike me, who has no problems. Because AA is for quitters. But, next thing I want to talk about. A lot has been made this week in the media rounds and it's not just this week it's it's happened over the years but about time of possession and everybody wants to you know talk about teams well we won the time of possession how did we lose that game like that's not a real thing time of possession is bullshit the same way that passing yards is bullshit now If you look at the quarterbacks who have the most passing yards in a season, will a lot of them be successful and their teams be winning? Yes. But will there be teams that were always behind and had to play to try to catch up? Yes. So in that same vein, time of possession is often bullshit for a number of reasons. When you score really, really quickly you're not going to have a huge time of possession. When you're a team that kind of dinks and dunks down the field, you're going to have a lot of possession. And then you play into things like turnovers and keep away. And the reason it tends to trend more towards a winning team is because usually at the end, if you have a lead and you're trying to protect it, yes, you're going to run the ball, you're going to take more time off the clock. So causation doesn't excuse me, correlation doesn't necessarily equate to causation. It's ad hoc ergo propter hoc. Like, one result happens because of the other things, it doesn't mean that this thing caused the other results to happen. I don't know if I'm making fucking sense. But in my mind, it makes sense. But anyways, when I have time, I'm going to try to put a whole article together with a bunch of details and stats for you guys but you know i was looking at it this year and i know a lot of people are going to say well you know it's only been three weeks this season those are outliers and i was like you know what they're right like that's a fair assessment so let's go back and look at last year so in 2021 the rams who won the super bowl were 26th in time of possession towards the bottom of the league because when they scored which was often They scored quick, and then they got off the field. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who were right there all the way to the end of the season in the playoffs, remember Tom Brady threw for like 20,000 yards. Obviously, I'm exaggerating. But number one in the NFL, best passer in the NFL, best passing team in the NFL. And the Buccaneers were so far down on the list that their time of possession was worse than the Miami Dolphins, who, you know, started the season, you know, like 0 and 7, and then they won a bunch of games and, you know, 1 and 7, whatever it was. Um, but the Buccaneers were worse than the Dolphins, the Commanders, the Carolina Panthers. The top two teams in time of possession last season were the Titans and the Ravens. Now I wonder why that could be. Oh, could it be that they run the fucking ball every play, you know, two out of three plays, they're the biggest rushing team. So of course they eat more clock. So there's so many things that go into that, that to just come out with any kind of blanket statement and say, oh, this team controlled the time of possession. How could they lose the game? Like, that's not what that means. It doesn't mean what you think it means, and somewhere when you were 12, some dipshit announcer on a broadcast said something about time of possession, and you were like, well, uh, you know, they had the ball the most, so therefore they should have scored the most points. No, they had the ball the most because the other team was scoring, or because they were running the ball, and the other team was actually competent at passing the ball, so there's all kinds of things, but we'll come back to that. Anything, anyways, Just remember, T.O.P. is basically bullshit. Now, speaking of bullshit, Los Angeles Chargers, big loss. Left tackle, Rashawn Slater, done for the year. Obviously, one of the top tackles, very young tackles in the game, and that is not good for the Chargers. They're going to move on. It's next man up mentality. I get it. But obviously, that's a tough blow. And sticking with left tackles, Trent Williams for the 49ers out four to six weeks. You want to talk about one of the best tackles in the game. I mean, Trent Williams is the standard, so that is going to hurt for the 49ers. Um, But the good news, if you can find the silver lining, is that, again, it's four to six weeks. It's not season-ending, so hopefully he can get back soon. The Bills, unfortunately, lost Micah Hyde for the season. That entire defense is going through it right now with lots and lots of injuries, But losing Micah Hyde for the season is definitely going to have an impact for the Buffalo Bills. Now, one of the interesting stories that I heard this week, because there's always a bunch of them, was that the reason Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't thrown for 900 yards and 17 touchdowns in his first couple weeks back was because Jimmy G didn't have a playbook until like two weeks ago they thought he was gone. He wasn't on the team. So they didn't give him anything. He had no access to the plate. Like, are you kidding me with this shit? You're talking about the guy who's taken this team to multiple conference championships, including the Super Bowl for the same head coach and yes, I get it, Mike McDaniel left, he's now down in Miami, you've got some new coaching changes that have taken place, and they're doing new installs, okay, sure, but you mean that Jimmy Garoppolo, the guy who was the backup quarterback for the team that he's been on now for several years under the same head coach, is walking in there going like, well, I'm sorry, What? what's the play? What are the names of the play? I, I don't, oh, I, I don't know, let me just, fuck it kittles out there somewhere finally because he wasn't the week before but like this is just not like people just re like i get it during the off season right when we're doing articles about which disney princess is every nfl quarterback right which is still one of my favorite projects we've ever done like in the middle of summer when there's nothing going on and you're just like trying to make things to talk about but there's football on shit is happening right now and you're like well jimmy g just got his playbook Really? Was there a $100 bill taped to the last page? Miss me with this bullshit. Come on. Next story. Next story. We're moving on. So, last week, Dan Orlovsky, who I got love for Dan. He has his moments, man, like none of us are perfect. Um, But I I fuck with Dan. I, I like Dan a lot. And he went on this rant about the Carolina Panthers having a tell and saying that, Every time they lined up, you know, in this formation, it was either run or RPO. And he went on this whole thing and then Matt Rule fired back and was like, well, how come if we were giving away what we were running, then how come we ran for 200 yards? And, you know, at first I was looking into it, I was like, oh, is this something? But then like, the whole thing he was saying didn't make sense, right? Because he's like, it's either a run or it's an RPO which anybody who knows what RPO stands for, if you don't, it's run-pass option. And so in an RPO, you can run the ball or you can pass the ball. Like, so basically what Dan was saying was, you know, when they're in shotgun, every single time they either run it or pass it. Well, no fucking shit unless they're going to punt it on second down. Like I get what Dan was trying to go, but it just it didn't come across as anything tangible whatsoever. Like they're either going to run it or they're going to run it out of RPO or they're going to pass it out of RPO. Like that, that doesn't make sense. So I don't know why, again, talking about non-stories, I don't know why that blew up as big as it is. I mean, obviously he has a platform and so it gets the clicks and I don't think that he did it to get clicks. I think he was genuine in what he was trying to diagnose. Um, but I just don't think it was as big of a tell as as he thought it was, and we'll come back to that later. But right now, I would like to address the Blake Shelton fans in the motherfucking room. We need to talk. We need to have a fucking talk. Like, What kind of fragile ass people are Blake Shelton fans? Now, let me tell you something. I like Blake Shelton. I ain't got no problem with Blake Shelton zero, zero problems with Blake Shelton. But here's what happens. Let me, let me just lay the landscape for you. So as a lot of people know, the Boston Celtics coach has been suspended indefinitely um, from the Boston Celtics. He's basically been fired after he had a consensual relationship. This is their words, not mine a consensual relationship with a female staff member. So basically, he was hooking up with somebody from the office, right? Now, I, knowing that this is a non-story, knowing that this is a man who had a relationship with somebody at work, and why is that anybody's business, and what the fuck does that have to do with whether or not he can coach basketball or not, I, tongue-in-cheek quoted the article, and said, Call me when the voice suspends Blake Shelton indefinitely for his consensual relationship with a female staff member. And without even taking a second to let that sink in, to think about it, to like really digest it, or to even read the original article and see what it was about, here comes... Every Blake Shelton fan, like I, sw- like they must wake up in the morning and Google hashtag Blake Shelton or like hashtag you know what, I- like and just look for and be like, what is someone saying? Are they saying something against The Voice? I'm 54 years old and I have nothing positive in my life except for The Voice. So if anyone says anything negative about it, I will fight to the death. Like is 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 that how you run your days, Blake Shelton Twitter? Like, I got no beef with Blake Shelton. Like ain't no problem with Blake Shelton. Like, why why is this a thing now? But yet here come all these fans into my mentions saying, how dare you? Who excuse Who are you, sir? Who who are you? And where is your evidence of this? Where where do you get off making these wild, wild accusations about Blake Shelton? Like, the fuck are you talking about? He's with Gwen Stefani. Like, they were This was all out in the open. What the fuck are you talking about? Because you're you're so angry and triggered that you just assume that I'm saying he is currently sleeping with some production assistant or something else like that. Like, I'm talking about Gwen Stefani. Like, he was with his current wife who he met... When he was ma- like, that's the first thing, okay? Like, if we're gonna if we're gonna throw rocks, if you really want to start dragging Blake Shelton down, because that's what you're doing, I did none of this. Blake Shelton was married. Then he met Miranda Lambert, I believe is her name. Again, I'm at that point of alcohol in the evening where I'm gonna cross syllables and consonants and, and names and it just fuck all, but you know who I'm talking about. He met this young lady. And she even said, I knew he was married, but you know, I, I had to have him. So they had a thing. He divorced the first wife, married Miranda. And then when he was with her, he met Gwen on the show and then bing, bang, boom, divorces her and gets with Gwen. And like, Like, that's his M.O. and I have no problem with it. It's not my life. It's none of my business. I don't judge the fucking guy. Like, I don't know how any of these ladies treated him or what his life was like. I don't make judgments about people's personal shit. And that's exactly why I'm not making one about the Celtics. And all I'm saying is I'm pointing out the fact that there are people at ESPN who are even talking about this Celtic shit who are literally dating other people at ESPN. Like, where the fuck do you get off i mean apparently the boston celtics have a higher standard than the fucking oval office like what does this have to do with coaching basketball you don't like the guy you want to fire him then fucking fire him but don't say you know we found out that he was dating somebody from the office we can't have that here at the boston celtics like garbage so anyways, having said that, Blake Shelton fans like, it's all love. Like I like I I was using Blake Shelton because I like him. Because I, I have no beef with him and he did nothing wrong that I that that he should be suspended for. Like, like that's like that was the joke. Don't you get it? That was the fucking joke. That nobody should do anything to Blake Shelton because he left his wife for Gwen Stefani. Like I'd leave my wife for Gwen Stefani. I don't even have one. She's imaginary, but I imagine she's not as good as Gwen Stefani. So, like, stop being so angry all the fucking time and, like, just coming with the smoke. Like, calm down, read the articles, understand context, and just, like, wait for the next episode of The Voice, okay? I promise you it's not that serious. We can all get along. But let's move on. There were 18 games... Decided by three points or less in the first three weeks of this season, that is a NFL record. So more close games than ever before, and it has been a wild one. And we're going to get into every single one of these matchups. Now, let's look at what we have on the docket for this week. Thursday night football, you got the Dolphins headed to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. And the Bengals are going to be in those clean clean, rush, white jerseys, all white and black with the little orange bangle logo in the the center of the jersey, but just like white helmets, white and black, like all minimalist, like clean, like I'm excited. I can't wait for it. So it's going to be hell of a game. The Bengals are favored by four in this game. And whereas two weeks ago, I'd be like, all right, that seems like a fair spread. Right now, I have no idea what to expect, the way that both of these teams are playing. And let me break that down for you. So the Miami Dolphins, boom, hello, I love them, do you? 3-0, one of the only two undefeated teams left in the NFL. I mean, come on, if you had to put money in the offseason, and you said, all right, by week three, at the end of week three, there's only going to be two teams left undefeated, and they will be the Miami Dolphins and the Philadelphia Eagles, who had that? who had that? Outside of Nick Saban, who had that? Like, so here we are. The Dolphins are sitting at 3-0, number one overall seed in the AFC. I know that doesn't mean shit because it's, it's only three weeks in the season. I'm just saying, they're in a good place. They've already knocked off two division opponents. They're 2-0 in the division. They're 3-0, and and now they head to Cincinnati to take on a team that was in the Super Bowl last year. Now, Tua last week, 13 of 18 only 186 yards one touchdown no picks but we know that he left the game for a short period of time now there was a whole discussion over was it a concussion was it not because let me tell you something I was at the game I was at the game and when he stumbled and like ate it like I immediately thought I was like oh no he's woozy like that's that's like a fifth of vodka like that's there's no way he comes back in the game and it's a short week that means he won't play Thursday if he doesn't clear protocols but you know they obviously said you know he had an ankle issue and a, and a back issue and it just kind of like froze up on him uh whatever I went back and watched the game and you can see actually the play where he hurt his ankle um it wasn't even the play before that it was where he originally hurt it he listen that man should not be doing quarterback sneaks get him the fuck out of those like stick alec ingold in there like you don't need that bullshit like that's just especially the way some of these players and in a game like that where people are doing dirty things down in the pile y'all know who we're talking to um that that should not be the case but having said that i definitely saw where he heard it and then i could see that he was favoring it and then obviously later when when he went down and and how that all played out plus One of the things that they say is um, you can look at his post-game pressers, right? So when he's doing his post-game pressers and they're asking him questions and he's recalling where he was on a third and 22 or second and seven and how this safety he looked off and did, that amount of recall does not usually coincide with, I just had a concussion. That's usually not the way that works out. So he did seem that he was very coherent and with it and the most important, important point to point out is because I saw a lot of tweets right when this happened of, you know, well, you know, Dolphins breaking rules again, you know, who would have thought the Dolphins doctors are not the people who cleared him to go back in the game. There are two independent doctors that do not work for the Miami Dolphins. The NFL has independent neurologists. They have independent doctors who make that call over whether someone can go back in the game. Now, I do not fault the NFLPA for opening an investigation immediately because if you're not, then what the fuck are you doing as a union to protect your players? Like that's that's like standard protocol. Like that should immediately hit the protocol of like, hey, situation happened here. Was the protocol followed? Like did everything happen the way it's supposed to? I don't know, let's go kick some rocks over and find out. And if they go and they see, yes, he was walked through all the protocols, The independent doctor said, yep, he's good to go. Send him back. All right, cool. No harm, no foul. But if I don't do that, and then there's stories down the road of like, oh, the doctor's... Well, where was your union having your back? So no problem in them investigating it. I don't think it's going to be an issue. If it is, we'll handle it when it comes up. But having said that, Waddle hit over 100 yards, which made us very, very happy um, because we had both Waddle and Hill... To smash the over hill did not but waldo came through in the clutch so we appreciate that the dolphins defense had held the best offense in football to 17 points in that game and that dolphins defense got four sacks and a turnover and you have to remember that defense was on the field for 90 fucking plays you want to talk about time of possession and all this bullshit that Dolphins defense facing Josh Allen, we can talk all we want in the world about the fucking Bill's defense who had a lot of injuries and they were going through it. But on offense, you had Josh Allen, you had Stefan Diggs, uh, you got Gabriel Davis back. Like you had your people and that Dolphins defense was on the field for 90 fucking plays and you only got 17 points. So, you know, kudos to the Dolphins defense. I know it's not perfect, and they have been given up a hell of a bunch of yards. I think they're second worst in the league um, with yards, and I mean, a good majority of that came from the Ravens game, let's be honest. But the Dolphins O-line also played well, all things considered, for I don't think many people realize how many linemen they are already down this season, and there were third string tackles going in in that game for the Miami Dolphins, going against an amazing defense, going against Von Miller, going against um, Rousseau and a lot of these guys, and yet they kept to a clean, and they were uh, one of the best offensive lines in week three, so shout out to them for getting the win, but now they head to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals, and listen, Bengals beat the Jets last week, okay, but More shocking than Adam Levine cheating on his wife was the fact that Jamar Chase only had 29 yards. And obviously, as a Jamar Chase fantasy owner, I felt that personally. However, they got the win. We know that's all that really matters. Joe Mixon also, 24 yards. Not great on the fantasy line, but you know he's going to get his when his time comes. Tyler Boyd, though, four catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown if you were playing Tyler Boyd, um, then, you know, that was a great day for you. The stats were almost identical in the Bengals-Jets game. That was the crazy thing, is the scoreboard showed a different story, but the stats were almost identical. But the one category that the Bengals took care of was the Bengals' defense forced four turnovers. Now, the biggest thing with the Bengals for years has been can we protect Joe Burrow? Like what the fuck are we doing? It was malpractice the first year where he got injured. His season was over. Like there should still be reparations for that. But even last year, even when he was the most sacked quarterback, even when they go in the Super Bowl and then like, why are we losing? Because we can't keep fucking Joe Burrow upright and he's running for his life. Then they spend all that money to their credit they go out, they try to address the offensive line, yet here comes Burrow getting sacked all the time. So now you're going to go against a team that loves to blitz more than anybody else in the NFL. And this is a nasty, nasty defense. What is going to be your plan other than fuck it, Jamar Chase is out there somewhere, which isn't a bad plan. It's not a completely bad plan. Um, But you need to have other things in store outside of that. And I'm not saying that he's the only wide receiver. Obviously, Boyd and Higgins and, you know, they've got Joe Mixon coming out of the backfield. That's where I actually think their best opportunities will be is Mixon faking like he's going to block. Blitzer runs around him. Boom, you catch and you run. I think there's going to be a lot of that. The Bills had some success doing that against Miami. And so I think that's where the Bengals are going to try to uh, make their meet on Sunday, I don't even know if that's a real fucking saying, I just made it up, but it sounded good when I thought it in my head, but whatever it is, uh, it's going to be a fun, very exciting Thursday night game, Bengals are favored by four if you want the action, I would rather watch it with full emotion and, and uh, anxiety and everything it comes with, so I'm not going to put money on the game, but Let's talk about the Minnesota Vikings. So starting off our Sunday slate is our first overseas in London game. And this will kick off at 9.30 a.m. So if you have Vikings or Saints players, 9.30 a.m. on Sunday. You want to make sure that your lineups are set. Now, the 2-1 Minnesota Vikings, led by Kirk motherfucking Cousins. So last week, 260 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Dalvin Cook, 17 carries, 96, and a touchdown. Uh, KJ Osborne, 5 catches, 73 yards, and a touchdown. And Thielen was dealing 6 catches, 61 yards, and 1 touchdown. Now they take on the New Orleans Saints, which are either going to give you an amazing game or they're going to show up like they're Bethune Cookman and they're in the wrong stadium. So let's talk about the Saints. Jameis had another multi-pick game last week, but we do have to give him credit for the 353 yards passing and the touchdown. I know two picks kind of wipes it all away, even post-LASIK. But um, honestly, I just want a reservation at the Olave Garden. So nine catches, 147 yards, an unlimited soup and salad for Mr. Chris Olave. Hopefully some breadsticks come with that. Kamara had most of the carries for the Saints last week, but 61 yards, no touchdown. Obviously, that's probably not going to win your fantasy leagues. The Saints allowed 145 yards on the ground last week, and they only had one sack, didn't force any turnovers, and obviously the three giveaways that they had on offense were too much, even with 400 yards of offense themselves. So they have to limit the turnovers this week. Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. Yes, I said that. If you're new to the show, Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. So they can definitely put points on the board. They can score. And if the Saints don't get out of their own way, then I think that it's it's going to be a, a very short day for them. But there should be something else after that. But I just don't have a thought. How fucking drunk am I? not drunk enough is always the answer anyways good luck to the saints and vikings vikings are favored by three no action for me but enjoy that london game at 9 30 a.m now let's get to the 1 p.m games on sunday cleveland browns at the atlanta falcons cleveland is favored by one and a half in this game i don't like the one and a half but i do really like the over the over set at 50 I really like that. So, Cleveland smashed the over last week for us, which was great because we had a very large bet on that. Um, They smashed the over versus Pitt, and Brissett was 21 of 31, 220 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. I mean, shit, you know, what more can you ask for out of Jacoby Brissett? And welcome to the party, Amari Cooper. Seven catches, 101 yards, and one touchdown. Good for you. Have yourself a day, sir. And not to be outdone, Nick Chubb, 23 carries, 113 yards, and one touchdown. And I would be completely remiss if I didn't mention David Njoku. Eight catches, 89 yards, and a touchdown like his life depended on it. Njoku was having himself an incredible, incredible night last week and we'll see if he tries to repeat some of that success he did get paid in this offseason and I was like "Mm, no no disrespect to Njoku but I just I didn't know that he was valued like that like that and you know he tried to show us last week yeah you're damn right I'm valued like that like that talk about someone who I never ever undervalue and that is the Cleveland Browns opponent Cordero Patterson of the Atlanta Falcons last week 17 carries, 141 yards, and the touchdown in helping me secure a one-point victory in fantasy football. Can I get a, huh, yeah. So, thank you very much, Mr. Patterson. Kyle Pitts, five catches, 87 yards, and God's plan was for Drake London to go three catches for 54 yards and a touchdown the Atlanta Falcons are going to need all of that offense if they're going to keep up with the Browns and if they're going to smash that over on the 50 for me. So I like that over. And let's talk about the aforementioned Buffalo Bills. They now head to their second straight road game um at the Baltimore Ravens and is that their second or their third? Wasn't the one before Tennessee? I think they were on the road. Anyway, I digress. So Buffalo Bills at Baltimore Ravens, and the Bills are favored by three and a half in this one. Now, I still believe that the Buffalo Bills should be a Super Bowl favorite. I I think they are hands down, even with the injuries that they're going through right now, they're going through it, but they're just one of the best teams in football. Their offense, their defense, the way they're coached, like there's so many things I like about them. That is why what I'm about to say out of my mouth sounds completely absurd. I like the Ravens to cover. So I think the Ravens will get within three and a half points. If they win, they win. But I will take the three and a half points from the Buffalo Bills for a number of reasons. Number one, you're at home. The Ravens are at home. So that's that's three points right there. Secondly, I also want to mention that I like the over. The over is set at 51 and a half. I'd love to buy two points or one and a half if you can. If you can tease it down somewhere, I would get all over that action. But you're talking about two prolific fucking offenses. So I think this is going to be a big one. But let's talk about the Ravens. So the Ravens are allowing the most yards in the NFL. Okay, so that's that helps me on my over. But They also do have the most turnovers. They're tied for the most turnovers in the NFL with eight. And of course, they have the number one offense in the National Football League. So they put up 37 points last week and 188 rushing yards on a Bill Belichick defense. Lamar had five. Count them. One, two, three, four, five touchdowns on the day. Four through the air, one through the ground. He did have the one interception, but he also had another 100-yard rushing day. The Ravens are looking so stupid every single week that they did not pay this man. And it's not going to play out well. Hopefully, the the best case scenario is you just look like an asshole, you get egg on your face, but you pay him whatever the fuck he asks you because he's worth every single dollar. Now, another man worth his weight and money is Mark Andrews. Eight catches, 89 yards, and two touchdowns. You'll love to see it if you're a Mark Andrews fantasy owner. What we really love to see, though, was J.K. Dobbins getting back on the field last week, and I expect his carries to tick up a lot. We know that Lamar is always going to eat into the rushing yards, the rushing touchdowns by the goal line, all of that stuff. Yes, but the way that the Ravens run the ball, if J.K. Dobbins is available somewhere out in your league and you're not stashing him on your roster, you crazy, man. You are crazy. So I like the Ravens to cover the three and a half points. I also like the over at 51 and a half points. Now let's talk about the NFC East. Washington Commanders will be taking on the Dallas Cowboys, and Dallas is favored by three in this one. Now, I know your immediate reaction is, "All right, Dallas Cowboys by three—that that's easy money." Maybe, maybe not. I I've long had a long-standing bet where I very rarely uh, rule, excuse me, where I very rarely bet. NFC East games, just because it's always the opposite of whatever the fuck you think is going to happen. It's always the craziest games. It just none of it makes sense. So I'm not going to bet this game, but let's talk about Washington first. So Carson Wentz got exposed last week. Um, He was sacked nine times and barely had time to think. Terry was still scary. He got over a hundred yards and Gibson is always going to get his touches. He had 12 on the ground, um, for 38 yards. So that's not you know, something you love, but he did get into the end zone. So that will probably salvage his day for you if you're a Gibson owner like I am. Um, but Carson Wentz is really going to have his hands full against this Dallas Cowboys defense. And may God have mercy on his soul. I think it's going to be a very rough one for Carson Wentz. But let's talk about the Cowboys. So, Cooper Rush, three and O, never lost. Every day, by himself, real man. Dak who? Rush hour four. Now showing. Get your popcorn. My man, Coop, twenty one of thirty one, two hundred and fifteen yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, no sacks, and this dude is just winning games all L Wood style. What, like it's hard or something? So it did help that the Cowboys had 176 rushing yards. Um, defensively though, the Cowboys, they were great with the blitz. They were great with the pressure, but they could not stop Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. The Giants racked up 167 rushing yards of their own. They need to be better with that. The defense did get five sacks though and a pick, so I'm not gonna listen. This is how the Cowboys' defense works: live live by the sword, die by the sword. It's the same mentality that Miami has, Baltimore to a, a certain degree. So I'm not gonna fault them for that. It just it is what it is, and you know that you're gonna give up certain things, um, but they got the job done. Zeke and Pollard, the split is still tough there, man. The carries, Zeke edged out a little bit. The yards, Pollard edged out. It's very tough with those guys, and it just kind of seems how you're never going to really know. Sometimes, guys carrying the ball at the eight-yard line, and then he comes out on the next play, and next guy switches in. So it's it's going to be tough all year for you, but the floor with both of those guys is high enough that it's, it's hard to really take them out of your lineup. So, CeeDee Lamb also showing... Listen, just because Dak isn't here, don't move on my, on me. Eight catches, 87 yards and the touchdown, and he could have had much more. I mean, that pass that he dropped wide open and Cooper Rush just put that shit on the money, uh, obviously that's one that he would want back. Uh, but how about Noah Brown, man? He went up, way up for a beautiful catch early in the game last week. Uh, he ended up with five catches for 54 yards and kudos to him really making a name for himself with Amari gone and Michael Gallup not playing yet. Noah Brown is definitely fighting to show that he belongs to uh, be in that spot and be receiving snaps and targets, et cetera. So NFC East showdown, Dallas Cowboys favored by three. Do what you gotta. Seattle Seahawks heading out to the Motor City to take on the Detroit Lions. Now the Lions are favored by four and a half in this one. And as much as I don't trust the Lions defense as far as I can fucking throw them, I do like their offense versus Seattle and I am going to take them uh, to win by four and a half points. So let's talk about Seattle first. Geno Smith last week, you know, was like an enthusiastic virgin, right? you know, he's just like trying to please his lover. And I mean, he did good, but just didn't really get the job done, if you know what I mean. Um, 32 of 44, 325 yards, two touchdowns and one interception. Um, But Gino is saying, I didn't allow 180 (laughs) rushing yards. Like, don't you put that evil on me. And that's that's fair points, Gino, fair points. And I will bring that up. Um, If you ever had a day to play Rashad Penny in your fantasy lineup, it is today. The Lions cannot stop anyone, especially on the ground. So get Penny in that fucking lineup stat. Now Lockett and Metcalf, these guys got decent floors, but listen, it's never going to be like it was with Russ. We just have to accept it, okay? It's not going to be like it was before. It's not It's not bad. It's. It's just different, okay? So not saying we're settling. I'm just saying we are restructuring our expectations of what love looks like in a Lockett or Metcalf relationship for our fantasy team. Do with that what you will. Now, the Detroit Lions. Jamal Williams obviously needs to be rostered. I don't think I need to tell you that. If you listen to this podcast or if you turn on any NFL news channel, or if you just pay attention to football, you obviously know that DeAndre Swift is hurt, that he's going to miss some time, and Jamal Williams, when he got plugged in last week, went 20 carries for 87 yards and two touchdowns. That is going to be a thing. I don't know if it's going to be a two-week thing, a three-week thing, a four-week thing. We don't know, but right now, you need to get him and put him into your lineup immediately. Now, here's the crazy thing for me. Again, I know it's three weeks in the season. But do you understand that the Detroit Lions have the number two offense in football? The Detroit Lions have the number two offense in football. Now, of course, they have the number 32 defense, which is dead last, and which is why, you know, I I have problems and I don't really trust them. I mean, Rodrigo can't tackle everybody, you know? Hutch can't tackle everybody, but that's where the dichotomy comes in. Offense is amazing. Defense is shit. We'd like to kind of bridge that gap. And even if both end up somewhere near the middle, it's just you got to work on things. Um, Ra, 73 yards on a slow day for him. The fact that that's a slow day for him tells you everything. So I have full confidence in Ra St. Brown. Uh, and he's going to continue to get his. Now, Lions obviously lost a close one to Minnesota last week. They only got one sack on defense and only forced one turnover, and they should have a bunch of opportunities to increase those numbers against the Seattle Seahawks offense. Um, They did allow Dalvin Cook to go completely ham and that's where again i think they're gonna have real problems with rashad penny but if they can somehow slow him down and you know do anything anything like competent on defense whatsoever it's like that meme you know where you just got the stick and you're like come on do something defense like anything then I think the offense has more than enough firepower to just completely put Seattle out of their misery early. So I like the Lions by four and a half, but that defense scares the shit out of me. Now, Los Angeles Chargers, favored by four and a half on the road against the Houston Texans. I'm not going to put money on this just yet because I'm watching the whole Justin Herbert saga. We saw what happened last week. Um... I don't know how healthy he is. I don't know if he's still going to give it a go this week and what it will look like. But for now, I'm holding off. Because I mean, last week, when I turned on that Chargers-Jags game, I mean, the score was crazy insane. Justin Herbert was like, you know what the Jags did to me? They need me in my nuts. Like, Herbert was hurt, man. He was out of it. And just, like, looked horrible. And I get it. He's a competitor. Like, he he wants to be in there. Like, he's going to do everything he can to convince the coaches that he can play. But we just know how incredibly elite Herbert is when he's on his game. Um, and you could tell that he was kind of going through it. So, you add to that the fact that the LA Chargers currently have the third worst defense in the NFL. And this is why this game gets interesting, especially with a quarterback who is not going to be fully healthy at the at the best case scenario. So on the Houston side of the ball, the Texans are 0-2-1. They're not 0-3, but they still haven't won a game. So they have the 13th scoring defense in the NFL right now, and Davis Mills had two interceptions last week, but... I was very happy to see my boy, Damian Pierce, 20 carries. That's what I want to see, baby. 80 yards and a touchdown. We know that, you know, as it continues to steamroll, Damian Pierce is going to be that guy. So that's great for Damian Pierce, fantasy owners, if you have him. But defensively, how, Sway, how you allow 281 yards rushing to the fucking Bears, all respect to the Bears, But 281 yards from a team that ain't really got no offense. Like, they really don't. The Bears ran through the Texans like cheese runs through me. Okay, shout out to all my lactose intolerant people who are dealing with the struggle every day. But it was ridiculous. And this might be a coming out party for Austin Eckler. Not that kind of coming out party, but the other... You know what I'm saying. Anyways, so... Houston has to figure out how to shut down the run, especially if Herbert is playing and he's not a hundred percent and he can't really chuck the ball the way that he should, Houston will have a shot there. Now let's talk about the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts. So India's favored at home by three points in this game. And I don't I don't know if I completely completely buy that, but I know I do like um I I think I wrote down the under but in my drunk hastedness I wrote under 32 and a half. That doesn't sound right. That doesn't First of all, that's not an NFL line. That's not a real thing. Um second of all, yeah, so I'm going to have to get back. Again, I always post all of our bets on on the patreon um so if that's something i end up throwing money on then i will definitely um i'll definitely let you guys know but i think i just wrote down the wrong number here but let's talk about the titans so tennessee escaped the raiders last week uh but they did lose taylor Lewan for the season and that's just hot man like it's derrick henry it's taylor Lewan, it's always and and they're not the only team they're not the only team, everybody's going through it, you know, it just, it it sucks, I always, I get so excited at the beginning of the season when you see the way all these rosters are shaping up, and you look at how these teams could be, and how formidable they could be, and then it's week three, and half the league is fucking injured, Um, but the show goes on, it is what it is, Tannehill was, meh, last week, he was 19 of 27, which is good, 264 yards, one touchdown, had the one interception. Um, but Derrick Henry, 143 all-purpose yards, one touchdown. That's the kind of shit that you like to see out of someone who really changes the game for you when you're the Tennessee Titans because they have barely anybody to throw the ball to. So that means the run game really has to be on point to try to open some things up for Ryan and the fellas. Now on the flip side, the Indianapolis Colts, who have the worst offense in the nfl so i mean maybe that 32 and a half is right but that's that's not right that can't be right i'm sure sh- i'm sure I'll, I'll find it down at the bottom of my notes later but they do have the worst offense in the nfl they've scored 40 points in three games 40 points in three games the colts have and yet they're favored by three in this game mm, I would probably lean titans But, again, I have to check that under because I feel like I wrote that down wrong. Um, I feel like I definitely wrote that down wrong. But, let's talk about another team who can't score. Chicago Bears taking on the uh, New York Giants. So, Justin Fields has 297 passing yards. Not last week. This season, in three games... He's got 297 passing yards in three games, which is obviously the worst for any quarterback who's played three games. The next worst is Baker Mayfield with 550 yards. That's how big the gap is. Justin Fields is throwing for 99 yards a game. To put that into perspective, Tim Tebow averaged 123 passing yards in 2011, with only nine completions a game. Now, to be fair, to be fair, week one was a fucking weather show unlike anything we've ever seen, and last week, Khalil Herbert rushed for 157 yards against Houston, And the team had 281 rushing yards overall. That's a hell of a day on the ground. But, but, it wasn't for a lack of trying. Justin Fields was 8 of 17, less than 50%. And that was for 106 yards, zero touchdowns, and two interceptions. Like, that's not going to cut it. Yes, even, you know, like with the Titans. When they were making it, but look at how well the Titans did without Derrick Henry and they still ended up the number one seed. So you have to show you can do it in a bunch of different ways, you know? Kind of like some girls, you know, you know what I mean? But you have to show that you can adapt and you can change it up. And so when you need to throw, when you can't just rely on rushing and you're down by 14 or 17 points like... You need to be able to do that. So right now, Justin Fields slash the Chicago Bears offense is not showing us they can do that. And I add that slash because Justin Fields is still a young guy who has training wheels on. So they are not throwing him in some Bruce Arians type of offense. Should they? I mean, that's another discussion. But I'm giving everybody equal blame there. But we need to see if Justin Fields has it. So... We'll find out what their game plan is against the New York Giants, who are favored by three and a half points at home, and the Giants had a shot last week in a NFC East division rival matchup, Monday Night Football, but like Billy Madison said, you blew it! They even caught several, several breaks with questionable calls, mistakes made by Dallas, and they just couldn't get it done. Saquon 14 carries 81 yards and a touchdown, but how do you let Cooper Rush outplay you, Daniel Jones? Like yes, your O-line was garbage. Um but come on, man. Like just the 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 grains of sand in the hourglass of Daniel Jones NFL career as a starter are draining very, very quickly, and I'm very, very afraid that Daniel Jones is on the verge of becoming the next Sam Darnold. To add insult to injury, Sterling Shepard tours ACL, done for the year, another weapon that the Giants are not going to have. So, favored by three and a half points at home, you say? That to me is just a reflection on just how bad Chicago Bears are so I will take the three and a half points at home I think the Giants get this one done let's remember that they were 2-0 and before they had their first loss which obviously sounds self-explanatory I feel like Madden, like going hey, you know usually if you, you score more points than the other team usually you're gonna win you know boom hey, you know if I, like whatever but you understand what I was saying now let's talk about a game that will have lots of juice The Jacksonville Jaguars heading out to Philly to take on the Eagles. Doug Peterson going back to the city that he brought the ring to, that he brought the championship to. My goodness, this will be a fun game. The Eagles are favored by six and a half points in this game. I like the Eagles a lot, but there's too much emotion in this game, so I'm going to lay off this one personally now the jaguars come into this game with the number number four defense in the nfl that's right the jags have the number four defense in the nfl and what you might not have realized is they've snuck up to the number seven offense what yes i said it the jags are top 10 offense and top 10 defense through three weeks of the nfl very well done mr doug peterson Let's see if we can continue it against the Philadelphia Eagles. And, you know, talking about the NFC East, this is a division that for 17 years now has had no repeat division winner back-to-back. So every year, a different team has won that division for 17 years, which is an NFL record. It's never been that much turnover in a division. So the Eagles are going to try to keep that alive and they're gonna go after what they need to go after but the eagles also come into this game with the number five offense and the number seven defense so we talked about the jags who have the number seven offense two spots behind the eagles and they have the number four defense three spots ahead of the eagles so these these teams are actually very very well matched these are two really really good teams uh Jalen Hurts last week, 22 of 35, 340 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Devontae Smith, eight catches, 169 yards, one touchdown. Ed, you're welcome, my boy. Ed, you're welcome. You are so, so very welcome. When you sent me that DM and you're like, hey, I got three players. Who am I going to put in in this? And I was like, Devontae Smith? Like, why are we questioning this? And then my guy went bonkers. So I hope you listen to me. I hope you won your league match. Um, But Eagles are for real, man. AJ Brown last week, five catches for 85 yards and a touchdown. He's going to get in on the action too. So I think this is going to be a very, very exciting game. If last year you told me, you're going to watch a really exciting game between the Jaguars and the Philadelphia Eagles, I would have been like, "Mm, maybe not. But this is going to be fantastic. So buckle up for this one. The New York Jets and the Pittsburgh Steelers are facing each other, and both of these teams really need to decide very quickly which way their seasons are headed. The Steelers... Our favorite at home by three and a half points. All the calls are for Kenny Pickett to get in the game. And we've covered that ad nauseum. We'll talk about it again at some point. But for right now, Mitch is the guy. The Jets, last week, man, they reverted back to their old ways. Joe Flacco had two interceptions, four sacks. They lost by 15 points to the Cincinnati Bengals. Listen, Garrett Wilson's still a value. He had six catches for 60 yards. If you snagged him, if you picked him up... That's a good pickup. Conklin had eight catches for 84 yards. Carter and Hill are still splitting carries there. And that's, you know, really tough to figure out where, if any, the points are going to come from uh, from a team who's just not really doing that much on the ground right now. The one thing you do have in your favor if you're a Brees Hall owner is that Hall had uh, some receiving success last week. So that could, you know, eventually lead to more touches for him versus Carter. You're going to have to obviously monitor that as the season goes on. But the Steelers, they allowed 171 rushing yards against the Cleveland Browns last week. And more bad news for the Steelers. They've never won without TJ Watt. Never, ever have I ever. The Pittsburgh Steelers, since TJ Watt has been a Pittsburgh Steeler, they have never won a game without him. They were one of nine on third down last week. Yeesh. Mitch Trubisky was 20 of 32, 207 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Najee, 15 carries, 56 yards, and a touchdown. It's a decent day if you're in fantasy. But, again, everybody keeps going back to the rookie, you know, do we put the rookie in? Like, listen, Mahomes sat, Roger sat, Breeze sat, Eli sat, Brady sat. Young Sat, like, do you want me to keep going? I think a lot of people forget what Wilson, Fields, and Lawrence looked like last year. All year. They all look like garbage. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was so prophesized that he could do no wrong. And then he came in as, and don't get me wrong, he had a fucked up situation with Urban and everything that was going on there. Like, I get it. And I'm not saying it was completely on him. All I'm saying is like, that's what I expected of him. Everybody thinks that Justin Herbert is not the outlier, that that's if you're good, you just come in. Really? Then why did it take 30 years for someone to break Peyton Manning's rookie interception record? Like, why is it that all of these guys come in and they're not very good? As Again, I will remind you, there is one player, one player in the NFL right now who has a Super Bowl ring and was a day one starter as a rookie. That person is Russell Wilson, who was a third round fucking pick, who had no business being a week one starter, but it just played out the way it played out. And he was the week one starter. Meanwhile, there is no one else in the NFL right now that has a ring that was a week one starter. All these other guys, they sat. So this idea that Well, we just we just we got to see Kenny because we got to know we got to know like the coaches know and when they know that he's ready or he's at least as good of a potential to win a game as Mitch Trubisky is, then they'll they'll put him in the game, man. There are certain people who get passes, man. Bill Belichick has earned passes on a lot of things over the years. Mike Tomlin, gets a pass on a lot of things because he's never had a losing season he's never had a losing season and he's got you that Lombardi so when Mike says he's ready then the kid is fucking ready okay until then it's Mitch's team here we go Steelers favored by three and a half no action for me but it's there if you want it let's get into the 4 p.m. games the Arizona Cardinals taking on the Carolina Panthers in Carolina. Panthers are favored by one and a half, and I like this. Both of these teams have scored 62 points this season, almost identical output on offense. Now, Arizona has the second worst defense in the NFL. They can't stop nobody. The Cardinals last week had 365 yards of offense but they only scored 12 points. Kyler Murray was 37 of 58, 314 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. James Conner is a bigger disappointment than my last serious relationship. And she stole from me, cheated on me, and destroyed my life. Yet it pales in comparison to the utter betrayal I feel for drafting Conner High. But just like I did... With that little toxic Latina, I'm gonna hang around till the bitter end because I hate myself. So this week, I'm gonna roll over and say, Hit me again, James, and put some stank on it. Meanwhile, Marquise Brown owners are taking couples pictures in pumpkin patches with his 14 catches for 140 yards day that he had last week. Well, congratulations to you. Carolina Panthers, 145 yards last week on the ground. 108 of those by Christian McCaffrey. Chennault, two catches, 90 yards, one touchdown. It's tough with the two catches, man. That's really boom or bust, you know. But when you average 45 yards per pass, that's that's a good day. For the Panthers, the defense bailed out Baker last week. Three turnovers. That was really the game-changer because Baker Mayfield was twelve of twenty-five, not even fifty percent, hundred and seventy yards, one touchdown, no picks, but yikes! So it's going to be an interesting game. But really, it doesn't come down to who I believe in more. It's who I do do I believe in less, and even less than James Conner, I believe nothing in the Arizona defense. So therefore, I like the Panthers by one and a half points. Um, let's talk about what years ago would have been the matchup of the week, the New England Patriots at the Green Bay Packers. The Packers are favored by 10.5 points in this one. You know, I hate big spreads. I hate anything double digit. I like the Patriots to cover the 10.5. I think they get within 10. What happens after that is anybody's guess, but let me tell you why. So the New England Patriots, Had 447 yards of offense last week. But they had four turnovers. Not great. Now, we all have seen the pictures and the video. Mac Jones got carried off the field. And honestly, when I looked at it, he looked like he just checked his girls' DMs. Like, you want to talk about pain, this guy was going through it. But even before that injury... Mac Jones was leading the NFL with five interceptions, and he has a 35.9 QBR. Do you understand, like, how bad that is? It's not good. The New England Patriots have the 25th ranked offense, and we're talking about a playoff team that last year had a top five offense, had a top five defense, like, People didn't realize because they didn't win in dominant fashion and, you know, some games O picked it up, some games it was D, but people didn't realize just how good the Patriots were last year. This year, mm, not so much. Devontae Parker did have five catches for 156 yards last week, so good for him. He's got at least one more productive game in him left this season, so when that will be, I have no idea, but your guess is as good as mine. Now, Patriots heading to Lambeau to take on the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers, the Aaron Rodgers quarterback, Green Bay Packers have the twenty seventh ranked offense in football. Yes, Devontae Adams left, but Jesus Christ, man! Like, is it like a just like everybody's dead now? Like, well, like horrible 27th Aaron Rodgers 27th I my mind will not compute especially when you consider that the Packers have the sixth ranked defense so it's not like the defense is just letting everybody score and then you know Green Bay you know doesn't have the like it's 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 not the so like your defense is helping you why can't you put the points on the fucking board the Packers punted seven times last week couldn't get on the board. That's why that game was even close against the Bucs. Shouldn't have even been close. So the reason that I like the plus 10 and a half for the Patriots is because the over at this game is set at like 40. They're not even sure if either team is going to even get to 20. So to get to 20 and have a 10 and a half point lead, like that's, I like the Patriots to cover. That's all I'm saying. I like the Patriots to cover. Now, Denver Broncos heading to the desert. Gonna do a little partying out in Vegas. The Raiders. I don't think I've ever seen an O and three team that was favored by two and a half points. Especially when you consider that Russell Wilson is on the other side of the field and like just like uh-huh. like that's very weird. But the Denver Broncos have the number two defense in the NFL. Good for them. We knew it. We knew it last season. Hey, these guys got a great defense, man. They're adding more pieces. It's just going to get better. Number two defense. Good for you. But you have the second worst offense in the NFL. Explain to me, Russ. Explain to me what's going on in the kitchen. Because while you're trying to cook, and everything's getting burnt. Justin Fields, Cooper Rush, and Geno Smith are outscoring you. How is this a thing? What is wrong with the Broncos' offense? What is wrong with Russ? What and and I'm not trying to say like oh it's all Russ's fault and like he's, you know, but he's obviously part of the problem that's going on and I'm not saying like he can't fix it or he's I'm just saying the first step of every problem is admitting that there is a problem. And the Broncos offense is in deep shit. They need to find themselves, especially with the amount of talent that they have on that side of the ball. You walk into the season with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton and Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, like, and Russell fucking Wilson, like, how do you have the second worst offense in football? I don't know. Expectations were a mile high. Now, not so much. Same thing with the Raiders, man. Devontae Williams. I mean, <laughs> Devontae Adams. Going over to the Raiders. Reuniting with his boy, Derek Carr. And now is the only 0 3 team. Only team to have three losses in the National Football League. Like, hmm, maybe I fucked up. So, the Raiders actually have the number 11 offense. They're just outside the top 10. But they're number 25 in defense. Stop me if you've heard this one before. We know the stat line, right? Ever since Derek Carr got there, they've had the worst defense in NFL history since any quarterback has ever taken over. Like, his defense has been the worst defense in all of NFL history. Carr actually played well last week. 26 of 44, 303 yards, two touchdowns. He did have the one pick. But again, people have picks. It happens. But the defense allowed 24 points in the first half, and then by that point, it was too much. Like, it, it, was, it was out of hand. Josh Jacobs, 13 carries for 55 yards. That's average of 5.1 yards per clip. Like, that's great. But then when you have to abandon the run to pass and explain to me, Matt Collins again is your leading wide receiver. Like, Why? Why? I'm happy for Matt Collins. Love the dude. 8 catches, 159 yards and a touchdown. But DeVonte Adams, 5 catches for 36 yards, and you, the answer can't be, well obviously they're doubling Adams because I've seen DeVonte Adams triple teamed and make the catch like I'm not saying Derek Carr is the same guy as Aaron Rodgers, but like pick a guy and let it fly, man. Like Mac Hollins cannot continue. Why does Mac Hollins have better numbers than Devontae Adams through three weeks of the season? Why is this a thing? Why is Mac Hollins creeping up on like a top 10, top 12 wide receiver campaign (laughs) over Devontae Adams? I don't know. Let's talk about Sunday Night Football. Kansas City Chiefs are taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers The game was supposed to be in Tampa, but obviously with the hurricane, we don't know when or where or how that's going to happen. But as it sits right now, um, there is contingencies involved right now. Kansas City is favored on the road by two points. Now, Tampa Bay might technically end up on the road as well because we don't know where that game is going to be played. But I do like Kansas City to cover the two points. Kansas City has the number four offense. No shocker there. The Chiefs, yes, they did drop one to the Indianapolis Colts. It fucked up parlays for everybody. It screwed a lot of people up. It lost a lot of people, the survivor pools. I'll tell you what, I'm in these survivor pools and like the ESPN one, 90% of the half a million people are already gone. Like they're already gone. And a lot of them went out last week with the Chiefs. So, you know, that, that, that was a tough one. Uh, A lot lot of people kind of took it up the pooper last week, including the Chiefs. Now, one of the other problems that the Chiefs had last week is Patrick Mahomes was your leading rusher with 26 yards. Like, you can't have that. You can't have that. Like, it just, that can't be a thing. So, Chiefs are going to have to make sure that their running backs are actually able to have some sort of efficacy this week. And um, CEH did get chalk last week and Kelsey as well. Juju, five catches, 89 yards. Nobody's worried about the offense per se. Again, it's a number four offense, but Mahomes should not be your leading rusher. That should not be a thing. So I think that the Chiefs will probably put this game away unless Tom Brady does what we've been waiting for him to do all season, just like last year when he threw for 6,000 yards, was the number one passer in the NFL, and then he Went and disappeared for three weeks this offseason. Came back looking like I don't even want to say. And now he just, I don't know. Like, where's the real Tom Brady? Will the real Tom Brady please stand up? And please stand up this week. Bucks fans would really appreciate it. And I get it. They're two and one. Like, uh, you know, but, you know, there's a difference between two and one and there's a difference between mm, two and one. Uh, You know what I mean? I'm just saying. Just putting it out there. But that brings us to Monday Night Football. And that will be the Los Angeles Rams at the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are favored by two points in this game. I like the 49ers by two. For the LA Rams, Cam Akers got all the damn carries last week 12 of them, 61 yards, one touchdown. I know it's not 22 carries, but as far as the share of carries, it was all Cam Akers. And, you know, I know that he did have the fumble and and whatever. Uh, we'll see if he gets put in the doghouse, but I think Cam Akers is is finally retaking that role of number one back for the Los Angeles Rams. And the Niners, they lost a close one late, um, but this is one of the best Ds in football, guys. Like, I don't know if you understand. Let's look at the defense alone for the San Francisco 49ers. Points allowed, third. Yards allowed, second. Passing defense, first. Rushing defense, fourth pressures sixth this is a very very good defense and so they're going to be able to keep games close and that's exactly where Jimmy G shines he will do enough to put you in the driver's seat if you limit the mistakes you limit the penalties the turnovers etc and let the defense do what they need to do the 49ers will be in every game this season including this one against the LA Rams and it would have been unconscionable Before the season, looking at the schedule and the rosters and everything to say, oh, yeah, Rams underdog by two points, you know, against the Niners. But as it sits right now, I'm taking the Niners by the two points. I'm not going to look back. Now, we talk about a lot of movie references in the show if you follow along. And, you know, a great man once said, nobody puts baby in a corner. Sometimes the corner is not where you want to be unless That corner is Chaz's corner. So it's time for Chaz's corner, our favorite time of the week where we give you our four and eight-way parlays that we have going on. And right out the gate, I will tell you the four-way parlay, Green Bay, Detroit, Philadelphia, and Kansas City. These are all money lines. This is an easy bet. Uh, If you put down $5, I think the payout is $12 and... 73 cents or something like that um again i might have wrote this fucking day i am i am i am losing my shit i swear to god but on 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 recall i think that's that's what it is i might have smudged some of my writing with the condensation from my rum glass so i apologize that but i do know for a fact my four-way parlay is green bay detroit philly and casey that's the four-way parlay lock it in now remember with parlays Obviously, you get a bigger payout if they win, but they're a lot harder to hit. So, you know, this isn't where you go say, all right, I, I'm putting everything on this. Like these are smaller bets that you make and, you know, hopefully the payoff, you know, is there. And that brings us to our eight-way parlay. Again, this is a very small bet. You are not putting whatever your units are, whatever, you know, if you bet $100 a week, you're not putting 50 or even 30 on on this eight-way parlay like this is this is like a five dollar this is a two dollar this is this is just this is something you just throw out there for fun okay so eight-way parlay you've got the miami dolphins plus four to cover the four points the baltimore ravens plus three and a half points to cover new england patriots to cover those ten and a half points the detroit lions um favored by four and a half points the New York Giants favored by three and a half points. The under on 42 and for that game. The Carolina Panthers favored by one and a half points. The Kansas City Chiefs favored by two points. And if you bet that eight-way parlay, even with a dollar, a dollar pays $172 as a return as it sits right now. So a dollar brings you 172 bucks if you hit it. You throw a dollar on it, fuck it, let it fly, and then you watch the games with some extra excitement. Now, if you go to our Patreon page, again, that's dot com. look up the Regulators Podcast, or just go to regulatorspod.com, click on the support link, and, and you'll find it. And it's also probably, however you listen to this podcast, there might be a link in there as well. But we have a $1 16-way parlay, That is all money line and it's a one dollar, and the return is six thousand one hundred and seventeen dollars and seventy six cents. So, again, not a bad return for a dollar, always something fun. Um, I almost read all of these, I forgot we have all these extra bets. We got the round robin, we got some extra stuff. Um, plus, there is a bet that I am putting like half of our bankroll on. Which is insane, crazy, and you should never do it. But we were given a bunch of free uh, bets by one of our betting partners. And uh, free money is free money. So, you know, if you're not trying to lose it, are you even really trying? So, um, if you want to hear more about our 16 ways, our round robins, everything else like that, you can go check out the Patreon. It's a couple bucks a month. You get a lot of extra access to things extra access to giveaways to chats to behind the scenes stuff as well as all of our betting information that you can track throughout the season and a lot of cool things Um, very cool community aspect so check that out other than that let's get into week four man i'm ready thursday night football we're gonna have the color rush for the Bengals, and uh they're taking on the dolphins it's gonna be a hell of a game And no matter where you are in the world, I know we have listeners in 42 countries, which still blows my fucking mind, blows my mind that we cross 10,000 followers. Um, I appreciate the shit out of you guys. And no matter what you're going through, no matter what's going on, listen, man, we're here for you every single week. Every Wednesday, we drop these podcasts and keep an eye out for us on the Twitter streets. And I love the shit out of you guys. I hope you crush it this week. Whatever you want to do, go get it done. No fucking excuses and don't take no shit from nobody. Let's go. Mm -hmm.